Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for the prayers of your your people. Such a needed needed prayers in this time in which we live, Lord. We all know the stakes. Thank you, Lord, for igniting a passion for your truth and your ways and your love in the hearts of your people. If the people that call themselves by your name will humble themselves and pray and vote and do the things that they're supposed to do based on the word of God and not the wrong-minded strongholds that have been erected in their minds and hearts by the enemy, then everything will be as your will has approved for this land. And we thank you, Lord. So, help us to continue to grow. Thank you for using me today, Lord, for to impart the manna from heaven to your children that we may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered by and through the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ that we may overflow with that same help for others who need you so desperately. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, if you remember when Moses was at the burning bush, uh, the Lord told him to tell me, when he said, who shall I tell them you all, you know? And he said, I am. You tell them that I am told you. <laughs> that is so awesome. I am. I hear my mama now, you know, and my grandmother, I can still hear them a thousand times in my childhood saying the great I am. Talking about the great I am, you know. And so I've had... I have stuff, piles and books and bookcases and cabinet drawers uh, full of things and drawings and old things. And I had a book title that I had, one of the other 800 books (laughs) that I haven't written yet. (laughs) But the title of this one's going to be, Dear I Am, Who Am I? And I think a lot of Christians have that same question. You see people looking for their identity and the and the the wrong mindedness and the wrong pursuit of purpose. You see? Wrong purpose. Not aligned with God's will for their lives, not aligned with God's word, not a Lined with anything. And I have, not only are all those people out there that we think it's a a candid camera joke because it's so surreal what's happening. Well, those people don't know the Lord. When you're in the darkness, you, you can't see. But there are a lot of Christians. I have ministers that come to me. I, I, I'm blessed to be able to... <laughs> and I, I say this very humbly, but I get to minister to a lot of ministers. And it's just a ministry of encouragement and try to keep them going, keep them from quitting. And, and that's, that's our purpose at Army. And it's a beautiful thing. Because I know how it feels to be out there cold and alone in a, in a, a big world that you think is full of church people that love you. And then to find out that 
You know, most of them, and Charlie as an evangelist can attest to this more than any because he goes and he tries to find people that still want to have revivals and still want to have church meetings and still want to pray and he can't find them. He finds locked doors and closed doors and that's what you see a lot. And I have ministers come to me and they say, I just don't know what God wants from me. I don't know where God is. What happened? And I felt that way myself, so I'm not mocking or, or making fun of them, you see. But God hasn't changed. God loves us. God has a purpose and a will for our lives, and it's good. But the graveyard's full of people who never spent one day in the will of God in their entire lives. The most treasure you'll ever find is in a cemetery. Yeah. Yep. Jesus Christ became like us in every way. Growing up with Jesus wasn't, you know, like I make fun. Oh boy, it must have been nice. Uh, Jesus, will you get that down off that top shelf for me? Zoop, there it was. No, it wasn't like that. He had to learn to walk and talk and chew gum. No. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he went through everything that we do growing up. And if you look at the scriptures closely, even Mary and his uh, Aunt Elizabeth, they, they didn't tell him who he was. They, they pondered these things. They treasured these things in their heart. They thought about these things, but they didn't, they didn't quite get it. His brothers and sisters surely didn't get it. His brothers even tried to get him killed, I think, one time. <laughs> Why don't you go on over there? <laughs> To Jerusalem. Anybody wants to run for office, they go out in public and talk. They knew they were looking to kill him. He said, it's not my time. How did he find out who he was? Right here. He found out who he was. The first five books of this Bible and the prophets... Reading them and the Holy Spirit saying, that's you, that's you, that's you. Every time he read about a slaughtered sacrifice, that's you, that's you, that's you. And he, you notice... I talk about how he undid all the aspects of the curse and the law, and, and he and we have a new covenant now, a better covenant with better promises. And the first miracle he did was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, where he turned water into wine. Remember, in Moses, the first thing he did was turn water into blood, the curse and death. And Jesus undid that, something that represented life and joy. And... But you see, he didn't do anything before that, miracle-wise. He was baptized with water. He was baptized in the Holy Ghost at the same time. That was the dove that came and landed on him as like a dove. It doesn't happen to be in that order all the time. It doesn't have to be. Don't put God in a box. But it is a separate occasion. Even if it happens at the same time. Talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. In case you don't know that. But then he went off into the desert, remember, for 40 days, and he came back. And he, but no miracles before he was 30. He, he, he prepared for 30 years for a three-and-a-half-year ministry. His whole purpose in life. Even Andrew Womack, who I talk about a lot, he was, 
he had been in ministry for 25 or 30 years when God said, you just entered into your purpose. Had you stopped before now, it would have all been missed. And he's, he's been a lifelong minister. I'm talking about someone set apart to God. Like, like he's never even had a drink of coffee, guys. But God showed him his sinfulness. He, he was a Pharisee. Like, you know, he, he knew he was righteous. He thought he had earned something from God. And God showed him, no, nobody has. And he showed him how ugly we all are apart from Jesus. You see what I mean? How all our righteousness apart from Christ is as filthy rags in his eyes. Nevertheless, it's not about that. But the point is, Jesus learned who he was through the pages of this book. In Luke chapter, I'm not going to go. Can I get on a cover? <laughs> if I go wherever I open, I'll stay too long. So in, in Luke chapter two, uh, right around verse forty-nine, you remember in Luke chapter two when Jesus was twelve, they went up to Jerusalem, and uh, and uh, when it was a whole the whole family. They had to go up there several times a year for certain feasts and and and, and religious things, right? And everybody had to show up. Just like the Muslims go to Mecca now, the, the, the Jews had to go for certain things for Passover and different religious things under the law. Anyway, the whole family went from their town and they went over there and, and they had the, the deal and they were heading back. And it was a whole day walking home before they realized Jesus was missing. They lost, they lost God. <laughs> so they went back and after three days they found him. And what are you doing? You know, why did you why did you treat us like this? Why did you? He said, "What? Why were you looking for me?" I think that's verse forty nine, Luke two forty nine. Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house about my father's business? You see, he he had determined. He knew by twelve years old he had figured out that's me. That's me. Look at Hebrews. I do want to read something from Hebrews chapter 10. Lord help me with the time. Hebrews chapter 10. You want to fight and win the battles of this day, folks? What I've been ministering on for all these weeks and months about the spiritual battle, the new man, our battle's not against flesh and blood. You have to get this. You have to find out who you are. You have to know these things. If you're going to win a spiritual battle, this is not a battle between men. This is a spiritual battle. We do have enemies, foreign and domestic. There are principalities and powers. There are whole nations that are at enmity with God. And you know, just like when... when when the angel was going to give Daniel the, the answer to his prayer and tell him about the future of Israel that he had been praying and fasting about. And he said he had a, had a big battle in the heavenlies. And Michael, the archangel, had to come and help him. They fought against the prince of Persia. There was a, there was a prince. See, God, um, God has an army and so does Satan. And it is organized. And he has captains and he has generals. And he had uh, someone over the nation of Persia. And that's the one they were battling with. You see what I'm saying? 
There are principalities and powers and demonic forces at work in the heavenlies and they are out to destroy God's people. And they come here through the mind. And this is where the strongholds and fortresses are that the devil has erected in people's minds and hearts and they've waxed cold to the Lord. And the only thing that can overcome that is a work of the Holy Ghost. And so, yes, we have to be praying. Yes, we have to know we have authority and power and victory in Christ. And we have to know who we are so that we will assert this authority and not mistakenly or on purpose agree with the devil and help him to do some creating of his own, you see? Because he has no power or authority without us. And Hebrews chapter 10. This is about Jesus. I'll just start... At verse 5, consequently, he's talking about how the the law was never sufficient, how the the sacrifices they made over and over and over again could never purge the conscience from the the, the sin consciousness. You know, God doesn't want us going around remembering how sinful we were and feeling so rejected and condemned, you see? Yes, we still have a conscience that is subject to feel that guilt and shame because... It lets us know to run back to the throne and get it right. And then, Lord, I dropped the ball right there. I'm sorry. Let's go. That's it. But we didn't want us feeling condemned and rejected. He wants us to know that we are children of God. That we are empowered and we have authority and we have rights and privileges. The same rights and privileges as the natural born child Jesus himself. It says in verse 5, Consequently, when Jesus, when Christ came into the world, He said, He said, Sacrifices, talking to the Father, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for Me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Jesus discovered who He was And he determined in his heart that he would purposefully fulfill the will of God for his life. Knowing that that body he was walking around this earth in was prepared to be a sacrifice for the world. And he said, and I'm going to do it. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And look how I found out. As it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Look at verse 19. Therefore, to us, brethren... Sisters, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. When Jesus came back. From was risen from the dead. All his disciples were bummed out. Remember in Luke chapter 24. He's a couple of his disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus. 
from Jerusalem to Emmaus, 12 kilometers, I think about seven miles. It's a long walk. (laughs) But they were walking, and he walked with them the whole way. But he didn't reveal himself to them physically. You can ask him how and why and what about all this. I know the why. I'm going to tell you the why. But he did walk with them, and they were saying, "Well, what's?" They acted like he was an idiot. He's like, "He's like, what's wrong with y'all?" And I'm paraphrasing. He said, "Well, like, where have you been, dude? Haven't you heard? Jesus of Nazareth, our our hero." Our Savior, the one who was going to fix everything. He was, going to, he was going to whoop the Romans and take over and get rid of Herod and get on the throne. And, and He was going to be our Savior. They were looking for a political Savior. They were looking for a, uh, a political Savior. They were looking for a worldly Savior. You see, a military Savior. And they didn't quite understand everything. It was better than that, what Jesus was providing, but it wasn't for that particular time in the natural like they thought. But what did he do <coughs> to fix their dejection? He didn't go, ta-da! <laughs> Look, it's me. No. He had a Bible study with them. He opened up the scriptures and he revealed himself starting with Moses, talking about the first five books of the Bible. The the Pentateuch, whatever you say. He started revealing himself in Scripture. Look! Didn't you see this had to happen? Don't you realize? Look at this. What that means is that Christ would come and he had to suffer and die on the cross and ending with the prophets. And he showed them. I'm sure he showed them Isaiah chapter 53 where he would be crucified and treated so horribly and on the third day he would raise from the dead. And you see... They got to their place and he had had that Bible study with them all the way, showing them himself in the scriptures. And then they invited him, why don't you stay with us? And he acted like he was going to keep going. They said, why don't you come and eat with us? And when, when they sat down to eat, he broke bread. They knew it was him all of a sudden. And then he was gone. Why did he do that? Why did he go to such effort to make sure that he didn't just show them, guys, it's me. He showed them in the Word. Because this, He put that there for us. Not just for them, but for us who, who, who never have walked with Him on the road to Emmaus. But we need to. We need to walk and talk with Him every day. We need to let Him show us not only Him, we have to get to know who He is so that we will know who we are. We need to walk and talk with Jesus and let Him show you you through the Scriptures. It's like a two-sided coin. You have to to know who He is so that you know who you are. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. This is better than y'all acting in a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
Let's see here. Listen to this. I have this in the Bible Hub right here. Listen to the from the Amplified Version. And we all with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of God, of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into His image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Through the Scriptures, with the help of the Holy Ghost, just like everything in the Christian life. We've been talking about the armor of God for a couple of weeks. And the fact that we have to, we have a part to play. Just like any soldier with army or with armor in an army, you, they give you they issue the equipment, don't they, Mr. Randy? But do they put it on? Do they give you a what, what was the little the the guy that went along with the knights and, and dressed him and all that in the old day? They don't give you one of those, do they? You have to put on your helmet and your boots and you take up your weapon, don't you? You have to put it on. You have to put it all on. We've talked about the fact that there's no provision made for the back of the Christian. Even once you have all of God's armor on. You're protected from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. But the back is not protected. Why? Why do you carry 150 pounds back on your back? Might work in some cases. But in this picture, this is a spiritual metaphor. That's what parable is. It uses natural things to show you spiritual truths. And there's no protection for the back of the Christian because fear is not of God. We don't run from the devil, folks. If you run from the devil, you're going to get a flaming arrow right in your back. We are not afraid of death. We serve a God of life and of love. And death has lost its sting for the Christian. Have you seen yourself on the cross there with Jesus? Death has become an idol in this nation. In all its various forms. I remember hearing Marilyn Hickey. I love that old lady. I remember Marilyn Hickey saying one time, This country already can't afford all the people that want to be sick. If you're still watching TV, which I know most of you probably aren't much anymore, make sure you mute the commercials. <laughs> they spend a lot of money to try to convince you you need a certain pill or you've got a certain illness, I tell you. We're supposed to guard what goes in these eye and ear gates. I shall set no vile thing before me, says the Lord. Why? Because... Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Fear comes by hearing what the devil has to say. Unbelief, doubt. And it's a lot to overcome. Don't subject yourself to stuff that you have to go pray away for three hours. <laughs> I remember my friend one time was praying. Praying miracles were happening. 
People were coming. This person came up and said, I got this thing on my here. Here, look at it. He goes, stop it. I don't want to see that. Well, you want me to get into unbelief with you and fear? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I don't need to see it to pray for it. I might get scared just like you are. <laughs> fear of faith is a choice. You see, when you really accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the devil's nature was evicted. Nothing else compelling you now to sin or to be fearful. It's a choice. Can I tell you that faith is not always going to come with a feeling? Sometimes it's, sometimes you're going to feel like you're afraid. Proceed in faith. John Wayne used to say that courage was just being scared to death and Saddling up anyway. He also said life's hard. It's a lot harder if you're stupid. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of dumb stuff happening, folks. And we love everybody. And I don't know too many people that are really hard on people just because they're dumb or ignorant. Matter of fact, we sympathize and we, we encourage and things like that. But when, when stupid is coupled with arrogance, it's really hard sometimes. And that's what you find a lot these days. But remember, the Christian life is supernatural. It's not based on our feelings. It's a choice. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. Forgiveness is not acceptance of the sin. It's just giving it to God, freeing yourself. Sheep were never meant to carry packs on their back. I think of us as light infantry. We should be able to move quickly. We don't want to be burdened down. I don't want to have to carry the 50 cow. Yeah. <laughs> But you have to choose fear of faith. You can say it like this. Are you going to fight for God or the devil? I know a lot of good folks. They just, oh, I, they're Christians. I, I, I just don't think all that kind of talk is good. I, it's just not, it's disrespectful. It can hurt some feeling. Do you understand I, I love all ministers and I know I'm, I'm very careful not to speak against God's anointed because they're, they're His, you know. Just like y'all are His sheep, you're not mine. So I'm have to be careful. But, but I, I call them sometimes these mealy-mouth, fence-sitting preachers, you know. Because God is not happy with that. In Ezekiel chapter 34, you see how He blasts the ministers and Jesus, his whole life, uh, his whole ministry, he spent blasting ministers because he loves people. You see, and when they don't have the courage to 
say what's right or when they lower God's standard to fit their lifestyle, that's not good and that's not God. And when you're a fence sitter, I got news for you. Satan has news for you. The fence belongs to him. Ephesians chapter 6 is where the armor of God is talked about. We were talking last week, we've talked about the the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We talked about how Jesus responded to the enemy every time he came at him with the word of God. And we can do the same thing. He should always be our example. But it only lists that one weapon, that one offensive weapon in that. But you can, we can... Go further with the weapons of our warfare. One we've talked about is prayer. And we see, I hope we all understand the power in prayer. You can change nations. You can change lives. I I sometimes repent to God that I don't brag enough on answered prayer because I get praise reports from people all the time. It doesn't... It, what I'm, I'm saying... It, I'm so used to it. I, I expect it. So I'm not... I'm still happy and getting joyful. But I get more joyful when other people are really joyful about it. Because I just expected it anyway. I've already moved on to other stuff. I'm not surprised when people get healed. People are... Every time I pray for somebody, they get healed. As far as I'm concerned... They may lose that healing. They may not stay in faith and receive it. They may not wait for the manifestation of it. But it was answered. It was granted. I pray the will of God. And I know if I pray the will of God, He hears me. And if I pray according to His will, I have the petitions of my heart. I have what I have prayed for. So I, when people call and ask me to pray, I consider them very lucky. Not because of me, but because I'm the conduit. But you have the same power. You have the same authority. But what the hand that reaches out and obtains the things that have been provided by grace through the atonement is faith. And that's a choice. I know Charlie, look at him. He's almost 60 years old. This guy is so athletic and fit. He still probably throw a baseball like Nolan Ryan, the guy pitches. I mean, he, he goes around the country and goes all over the world and preaches and he's on fire. You see that? I mean, but that, he's always stayed healthy and worked out. And faith is like that. I talk about all the spiritual things that God has for us. He said, Paul said physical exercise is some good. But the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit, is, is good for everything. You see, our spiritual tools are have equipped us for everything. God has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And this life yes, yes. and eternal life. 
But we only use a fraction of our brain. I'm convinced that when we pray in the Holy Ghost, the rest of it comes alive. And they're starting to show this in tests now. And science. Which I didn't need to believe it. Praise. Prayer is like that. Prayer is like that atomic bomb you can send. If you really want to get something done. We're talking about warfare, so I'll just use that analogy. Prayer is that powerful from a Christian who believes. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, Believe that when you pray that you have what you have prayed for and you will have it. That seems backwards. It's a kingdom of opposites. a kingdom of backwards. People say, well, when I see it, I'll believe it. Jesus would, standing here would say, well, then you're not going to see it. Believe now and then you'll see. More blessed is them who have not seen and yet believe. <laughs> Praise is powerful. Praise is an offering to God, you see. In Psalm 18.3 it said, I, will, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. He's worthy of our praise and thanksgiving. He says, when I do, when I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, I'm saved from my enemies. Now that's something, that's a promise worth holding on to. I know our new minister who passed on now, he... He used to struggle terribly with the spirit of depression. Lots of ministers do. Lots of people do. It's a heaviness that comes on you like you can't... I've, I've struggled with it myself from the time I was a little boy. I think it came with me. And we could see why. But I, I'm free from everything, you know. We're free in Christ. But things still will try to come upon you. But this minister... In the pages of this book, well on into his ministry, years into his ministry, he, he read a scripture that said, I will replace the spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise. And he said, there it is. There it is. Every time when you feel like these arms are the heaviest thing in the world and the last thing you want to do is praise God, you need to get them spiritual antennas in the air and say, Pray you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Precious is the blood of Jesus shed for me. He will flee. Resist that devil and he will flee from you. That's a promise. If God said it, that settles it. Revelation chapter 12. Let's look at something. You want another weapon? Okay. Let's look. Let's look and find it in the pages of the scroll. In Revelation, didn't they? Didn't they tell John you have to eat the whole scroll? Yeah. That's what he meant. You see, people like to pick and choose things here to accommodate, and then they get rid of the other things they don't like. No, you've got to eat the whole scroll. Once you've read the whole book a bunch of times, and you say, Holy Spirit, I can't understand this thing without you. Help me. Shine your light. Turn the light bulbs on. Man, it starts coming alive, and then, whoo, 
You get so full of the truth, you can't stand the lie anymore. Oh, you look sick. No, I'm not in the name of Jesus. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Excuse me. You're excused. (laughs) People say, you're going to offend some people. You know, his disciples came and told him that one day. He offended all the religious leaders that were around listening to him one day. And they said, don't you know you offended those scribes and Pharisees? And Jesus said, oh my God, let me go apologize. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. He he said so. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing, but he said so. He said, are y'all offended? Y'all want to leave too? That's what he said. Notice the scripture, John 6, 6, 6. And many departed from him and followed him no more. John six sixty six, And then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, y'all want to leave too? He said, you say I come to bring peace. I didn't. I came to bring a sword. The enemies of a man's household will be his own family. Is that what he wants? No. He's saying, that's what your choice is going to bring upon you. Your choice to live and to serve him and to live for him. And to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Not everybody around you is going to. That's what he was warning them of. But don't turn back. If they, if they choose hell, you have to let them. You keep praying. You keep trying. He even said, if you get saved and you're with an unbelieving, uh, if, if, if you're not married, he says, don't, don't, don't marry an unbeliever. But he said, if you get saved and, you're, and you're, your spouse isn't saved, he said, stay there. If they'll live with you. Who knows? Maybe you'll get them saved, is what he said. I mean, that's how serious it is, folks. His mom and Family, his brothers and sisters came looking for him. I think they were worried about him. He's going to get himself in trouble. He was out preaching and teaching, and, and he was people were getting mad at him. They were looking to kill Jesus already, and he had a crowd around him in a little house. And they came and they tried to get in. They couldn't get in. It was so crowded, kind of like a Trump rally. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Lord, allow our president to hear you clearly and to do your will and to serve our nation and to serve you primarily and to help others to do the same and to be surrounded by those that will in Jesus' name. They came in and told Jesus, hey, your mom and them. Jesus talked like a Texan. No. I got a pastor friend in Oklahoma and he was telling a story about Jesus and he said, he said, and he said somebody said, Jesus said, I don't know. In Hebrew. I don't know. I don't know. And uh, they went in and they said, hey, they're looking for you. Your mom and them looking for you. He said, who is my mother and brothers and sisters? Those who hear the word of God and do it. 
That doesn't mean, you know, he didn't love his brothers and sisters. Of course he did. Of course he wanted them to to turn and, and, and be saved. And, and thankfully they were. We know a couple of his brothers have books in here. So they got it when he got up out of that grave. <laughs> okay, wow. And even his mama, he loved her so much. He made provision for her while he was hanging on the cross. And said, send her home with John. This is your son. Uh, this is your mother from now on. And mama, this is your son. And see, you notice he didn't... She st- he still had other brothers that were alive. You ever think about that? And sisters? He had brothers, though, that were alive. He gave his mama to one of his disciples to go and live with. And she lived with John the rest of her life. He was going to prison for a little while, but she still lived in his house. A believer. Revelation 12. I forgot. Sorry. Thank you, Lord. You okay? We having fun? We're just, we're just a buffet. We're eating. We're just feasting, you see. We're feasting on the Word of God. Revelation chapter 12. Look at the seventh verse. Now war arose in heaven. I believe this is still to come, y'all. War arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. That's Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. And the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. Hello. He was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Verse 10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him, verse 11, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, And by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Our testimony, the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Five things. Five things provided through the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about that. First of all, by the blood we are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are cleansed. We are justified and we are sanctified. That's a good place to shout, folks. Ephesians 1.7, and I'm going to show this to you because I want everything I say to have a witness from this word. Just like Jesus wanted us to be able to always go to the Word to back up or to disprove anything that anyone ever tells us. There's a lot of deceivers out there, folks. Always trust the Word. Even if an angel comes to you and tells you something that opposes this Word, you reject it. 
That's what Muhammad should have done. Instead of thinking, oh, this is going to make me great. He even doubted that it was God. And one of his wives talked to it. Never mind. <laughs> Ephesians 1 7. In him, that's Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1 7. That shows you that through the blood of Christ, we have been redeemed and we are forgiven of all our sin. We've been redeemed. We have been purchased. You belong to Christ. Yes. You ever ask somebody, why do you love me? <laughs> Charlie, you ever ask Michelle, why do you love me? Michelle, you ever ask Charlie, why do you love me? <laughs> we do that to each other. Why do we do that to folks? It's so hard. I don't know. How do you say that in Hebrew? I don't know. I just do. You know why? You know why Norma loves Randy? Because he's hers. Yeah. That's it. You know why God loves you? Because you're His. The Lord is my shepherd. You see yourself as one of the sheep in his pasture. Not afraid of any wolf coming to get you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, I'm not going to suffer need or lack or of anything. I have him. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. When they get off course, when they get infected and polluted by the cares and the concerns and the lies and deceits of this world, He comes and reboots and restores and refreshes my mind. And gets me back on track with Him. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you see Him with you? Do you see Him as the conquering King and Savior of the world and King of kings and Lord of lords standing watch over you, His little lamb? Come and mess with Him. Come and take it, we'd say in Texas. <laughs> Devil don't stand a chance. Do you know that's who you are though? Because you need to know. First John one seven. If 
Ephesians 1, 7 said we were redeemed, purchased, bought by the blood of Jesus. Forgiven of all of our sins. All your trespasses. Everything washed away. Clean slate. Clean slate. Why? Because He bore every sin you were going to ever commit on His body. And the punishment for it before you ever even committed one. It's all gone, folks. It's all gone. He paid for it. Don't be like that preacher in the scarlet letter beating yourself on the back with a whip of doing atonement. Why would you atone for something that God Himself atoned for you? In such a horrible manner. Such a horrible punishment He took. But you still think you need to... You need to suffer a little too for that sin. No. You'll suffer okay. But just because you're His. Just because you're living for Him. If you never bump into the devil, it's because you're heading the same direction. But <laughs> you you gotta you gotta fight. You gotta finish the finish the fight. Finish the race. So you get that well done, good and faithful servant. Don't be a fence sitter. Even old dead fish can float downstream with the flow. It's hard to swim against the current. The world is not going to love you for it, is my point. And if they do too much, it's you need to look at that and wonder, wait a minute, am I compromising to get the approval of men? It's not that we go out to provoke, but some the truth is always going to rub people wrong who are living opposed to it, you see. It doesn't give you the right to pre- prevent them from hearing it. And your assignment is to share it. 1 John 1.7 says we were cleansed, made clean. There's a continual spiritual cleansing but we're provided with through the blood of Jesus. I could, I'd read it to you if I could find First John. It says something like that. First John one seven. But if we walk in the light, that's saved. As He is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Cleansed. Romans 5.9 says we're justified. Romans 5, verse 9. Since therefore... When we find a therefore, we need to find out what it's there for. We have been justified by His blood. Much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. We have been justified, made righteous with His righteousness. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. You see? In His eyes. When God sees you, that's why I say He either sees Adam or He sees Jesus. We get back to that. Hebrews 13, 12. And we're almost done. 
Beat the Baptist today to the lubies. Hebrews 13, 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Sanctified. You know what that means? To be set apart and made holy. Set apart unto God and made holy. You are holy in the eyes of God. Do you believe it? Why? The same reason He loves you. Because you're His. Hello? Let's look at this. Justified, made righteous, sanctified, made holy, set apart to God. Hebrews 13.12 Hebrews 10.10 says the same thing. These five provisions are made for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's powerful, folks. Knowing it is even more powerful, lends more power to it. But saying it is where the real power is. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. The five provisions, which are, you've been... Redeemed, you've been forgiven, you've been cleansed, you've been justified, you've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. All those things have been provided through the blood of Jesus. But they only become fully effective in the life of a Christian when we testify to them personally. Hello. Now this is where most people get off the bus. You look in the mirror and you it's hard to say, I'm justified, I am righteous, I am holy. But you need to be able to do that without looking away because it's true. Jesus has done that for you, but it only becomes effective in your life when you're willing to be bold enough to state your conviction. This is your testimony. Amen. Satan always going to attack your identity. That's his job. He does not want you to believe these things. He doesn't want you to believe that you've been redeemed. He doesn't want you to believe that you're sanctified and holy and set apart unto God and justified just as if you'd never sinned. He wants to remind you of every bad thing you ever did and get you feeling condemned and convicted until he can get you wallowing in self-pity and and uh, condemnation, and so he makes you totally useless in the fight. We can't let him. You got to keep saying it till you see it, because it's already true. Amen. He did the same thing to Jesus. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, do this. Say this. Serve me. If you are, do everything to show me. Prove it. Prove it. You don't have to prove it, folks. You don't have to prove it. How many of you love a beautiful bald eagle? I think I got a picture of one on my beautiful Trump coin right here. Look at that eagle. 
You know, compared to a bald eagle, have you ever seen one up close? They're beautiful. We saw some uh, in the wild at Lake Tahoe on Emerald Bay. You know, that big eagle is very ferocious too. But you know, a crow is like a fraction of his size, but that's the, that bird will, will attack that eagle. They peck on their back, they get on behind them and they peck and some, some have died because of it. But mostly the eagle isn't interested in that crow. It can't hurt him. So what does he do? Do any of you really know? It goes higher and higher and higher until he gets to an altitude where the crow can't breathe any more than it falls away. You're that eagle. And the Satan and his demons are those crows. You have more. You are more. You can do more. Than any of these loud mouth screamers out there in your war room, in your prayer closet, in your quiet time, it's normal. You're doing more good than all these knuckleheads burning down stuff and destroying things in this country. Keep on praying, keep on believing. But know that you are justified, you are cleansed, you are forgiven, you are redeemed, you are sanctified and set apart, made holy to God. And let Him use you. Pray. Praise Him. And testify to the fact that you are His. Fly above those old crows. Stop identifying with Adam. That old sin nature. People are going to remind you who you used to be. Don't tell them you changed. Tell them that guy died. Because he did. Amen. It should be more natural for you to identify with Christ. Instead of with, with, uh, with Adam. Don't let sickness be bigger and more real to you than healing. Don't let poverty be more real to you than prosperity. Don't let unrighteousness be more real to you than the righteousness of God. Don't let death be more real to you than life. Amen? Life should dominate your mind. We serve a God of life and of love and of peace and of power and victory in Christ. Amen? All right. You know the Lord loves you? Are you redeemed? Are you saved? We'll give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your precious blood. Thank you for to give us a voice and a and a heart to serve you and legs and 
and power to to go forth and to do the will of God. Thank you for your armor that we have put on, Lord, and we will wear all of the armor that you've given us and we will use the sword of the spirit and we will praise you and we will pray to you and and we will testify that we are the righteousness of God and we are justified and redeemed and sanctified and loved of God and we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.